see if we can get started here. Let's start with uh, prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, uh, we just uh, ask you to be with us today. Lord, help us to, to honor and, and bless our fathers today, Lord, including you, Lord, your, our Heavenly Father. Lord, we just ask that you be with this service, just guide it, and uh, enjoy it too, our worship time. Just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So, I was reading in the Bible, I mean, a while ago, and ran across the part where uh, Jesus is tempted, and you know, I guess I always kind of thought about when Jesus was being tempted, what would I do, you know, kind of thing. But when I read it again, uh, I, the Holy Spirit opened something else up, you know, something I hadn't really thought about before. But so I figured I'd read uh, Mark chapter 4 through, you know, um, it'll be 11, I guess. Anyhow. Then Jesus, this is after Jesus uh, was um, baptized, John baptized him, and he, uh, then Jesus went, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, from the mouth of God. Uh, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give, give his angels charge concerning you. And in their hands they shall bury you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, and their glory. And he, said to the, and he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you, just, if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. You know, Jesus, this is 40 days he didn't eat. I mean, he is being tempted. The devil knows when to tempt. The, Jesus was at a, a low right here. And he's, all, he's human. Jesus was human. And uh, the devil thought this was the best time to tempt him. But, you know, uh, in every one of these, Jesus says it's written. You know, uh, what we get out of this Bible, how important it is to read this Bible, what we get from this, uh, reading the Bible. Um, you know, God's word is, uh, God speaks, us, speaks to us through the Bible. We, we need to read it. We need to daily read this, uh, our, the scripture, God's word. Uh, we learn who God, who God is by reading the scripture. Uh, we learn God's plan of salvation, how his simple plan of salvation. And uh, it solidifies your faith, renews our mind. Read, uh, and I find that reading the Bible 
has the power to change your life from the inside out. You can go in not feeling very, like you don't even want to read the Bible really, but you know you, you, know you need to. I mean, it's just like reading the news. Take reading the news, for instance. It's better if you just don't read it. You know, you feel better if you just don't read it. And uh, the Bible, you feel, uh, you know, a lot better. It, it, it's uh, peace. We get peace out of that. God provides peace through reading this Bible. Uh, you know, and I went to a couple, let's see, I was trying to keep it kind of short, but um, where Jesus said, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very word that proceeds from God's mouth. And I just, it reminded me of the scripture, I had to find it, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It, it is uh, John 14, 26, oh no, Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for the doctrine, for doctrine, for the reproof, for, re, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, it, it's, it just fills us. I mean, we... we um, and then... When Jesus said, it's written again that you shall not tempt the Lord your God, you know, it's kind of common sense. I mean, uh, God wants to bless us. He wants to do stuff for us. You know, there is one spot that I remember in the Bible that Jesus said to tempt me, or test me, because he's going to fill the storehouses, their storehouses, and they'll, they won't be able to contain it. And that's the only thing I remember from the testing, but I just think it's common sense. You don't do things that are uh, uh, for no reason could hurt you. Uh, and then when Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Well, that's the first commandment. You know, that's easy one to remember. You shall have no other gods before me. Anyhow, uh, it's uh, kind of very important. To, it's not really easy, but you have to dedicate to uh, reading the Bible. And uh, you find so much more out about so much stuff. You know, and Jesus told his disciples he's going to send a helper to remind them of all that he said. Well, how do we know what Jesus said? We need to read it so that the Holy Spirit can remind us of what he said. Anyhow. Let's uh, have the worship team come out. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, uh, we thank you for the worship team. And I ask you to bless our, our worship time. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning again. Happy Father's Day one more time. Uh, I'm going to do something different this morning, just a little bit. I know we don't do this always, but every, every dad in here has a candy bar or candy. If you want to eat it. Go ahead. I don't care. I'm not going to right now because I want to be able to talk clearly. But if you would like to open and eat it, you go for it. It's Father's Day. We can do something different, right? So if you hear rappers crumbling, that's what's going on. 
We had to wait till majority of the kids were gone, so they didn't want to have all of it either. <laughs> Father's Day, the day that we celebrate, it's not what my message is about today. We're going back to First to John, but I just couldn't help but uh, just very briefly mentioning, you know, fathers in today's world are considered not necessary or not needed or not important, and I am just here to tell you that is a lie from the enemy. Fathers are very needed, they're very important, and I just want to challenge us as fathers to stand up for what is right, to stand up for what you believe, and don't be afraid to teach your kids what is right. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. If anybody ever tells you that that's not important, they are lying to you because it is, it is so important. <clears throat> the world tends to tell us that fathers aren't needed. <clears throat> Their position is not important. They want to undermine it, and then they want to control what our kids hear and learn. And that is our responsibility as fathers. So it's important. It's fun to have a day to celebrate, uh, but that's not where we're going this morning. However, where we are going and what we have been talking about does bring up a very, very much of a challenge for fathers in that the things that we've been talking about in, in, in how to love one another and how to get along with people and who better to set that example first but the leader of the home. Because we can't expect that our kids are going to pick up on these things if we don't do it ourselves. We need to lead by example, by what we do, not by just what we say. And we're going to get into that pretty soon. But we're going to go to 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. <clears throat> by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the wor this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Father, thank you for your word again this morning. I just pray that as we, <clears throat> excuse me, look into it, <clears throat> read it, study it, consider it, that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts, our hearts to, to see what you have. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And that right there brings up the familiar verse of John 3:16 telling us what God did for us and giving us his only son who laid down his life for us that because of him we can have eternal life and what better example has ever been given than this. 
the example that we should strive to follow. And we're not talking about, you know, the world has taken the word love today and has watered it down so much that we don't even recognize what it is. Don't know what it is. People think that they know what love is and people think that they understand what love is. But you go back to the Bible, if you wanna really know what love is, you read about what Christ did for us, you will understand what love really is. Because what the world today tells us that love is, is so far from what God had in mind. It's crazy how far from that it is. Can we understand what love really is? I don't know if we fully can when we live here. We have examples that have been given and have been set to help us to understand what love is, but it is difficult to understand fully what love really means. Because we can look at what God did for us. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, but I don't think I would be willing to do that. We read last week about Jesus coming and the world rejecting, his own people rejecting him. But that didn't mean that he just turned around and went back to heaven. No, he stayed here because he didn't just come for them, he came for everybody. He came for all of us. He wanted to demonstrate his love, his true love, the true meaning of what love is. That's what he came to demonstrate and that's exactly what he did. Even though we didn't even claim to know or want to know or anything, he still did it. Am I willing to help someone that I don't even know? I'm not even talking about laying your life down for someone, I'm just talking about helping somebody. Are we willing to do that? I would like to say yes, I'd be willing to do that, but I don't know if I always am. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 15. Verses seven through 11. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your hand. Are we willing to help people that we don't even know? Now I realize today it's really hard to tell who's needy and who's not. Because if you drive in town and you see people standing on the street corner, I have no idea if they really are or if that's just their job. I don't know what it is, but ask the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about to give you that wisdom to know. Because it's not my job and it's not your job to judge what people are doing or whether they're needed or whether they're not. All we're supposed to do is we're supposed to follow what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And so rather than look at everybody and try to figure it out in our mind, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, If I see somebody that looks like it might be a need, I want you to give me the okay. I want you to prompt me one way or the other what I should do. 
Because we don't know. It's really hard to tell who's needy anymore. We get people living in tents all over the cities. It doesn't mean that they're needy. It's just that's where they chose to live. So how are we supposed to be able to tell the difference? And I think that's only by the grace of God that we can tell that difference. It's by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Luke chapter 3. Verses, again, 7 through 11. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him. This is uh, John the Baptist. Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. It's just interesting here in this passage that each of us individually, we have to decide for ourselves what we're going to do. Because they make the comment and say, uh, we have Abraham as our father, as though that's going to do anything to help them. You have to make that decision for yourself. What are you going to do with what this scripture says? Are we going to be willing to help people or are we going to look the other way? Or are we going to ignore them? What is it going to be? But you have to decide for you. Just because I say something here, it doesn't, it's not good enough for what you do. You have to decide for yourself. <clears throat> if we see someone in need that's truly in need and we do not help them, how does that show God's love? How does that show God's love? A lot of times it comes down to uh, selfishness because I just don't really want to take the time out of my day to do anything for anybody else. We have been so tremendously blessed, so blessed. And the things that we do, the places that we live, we can choose if we want to drive into town or if we want to drive home, if we want to go out to eat, if we want to go home to eat, we get to choose what we want to do. We have been so blessed. Because of the blessings we have been given, we should be willing to follow the example that Christ set when he came and lived here to help those that are in need. We also, in 1 John 3, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? That sounds kind of harsh. But we're supposed to be, we've been talking about loving people and we're supposed to love everyone. We'll get to that. And I was reminded of that again this week. We went to a graduation, a CBC graduation and, and I don't know if you've ever been to one, but it's kind of long, and they read a lot of names. And we're sitting in the bleachers at Edgar Brown Stadium, and they just started reading names, and the lady in front of us just stood up. She stood up. And I thought, well, maybe whoever she's here to see is going to get their name called, and that's why she's wanting to take a picture. Nope. They called about 40 names, and she never sat down once. She never clapped. 
And it's starting to irritate my wife and I just a little bit. Because, you know, you're kind of trying to look around to see, but she's standing right in front of us. Why don't you sit down already? Wasn't really feeling like I wanted to love this person at all. I think she was waiting for somebody to get there is what it ended up being. But it was, it, it was just a reminder to me that we go, we go through life and little things happen that just irritate you or me. And when God is talking about we're supposed to be watching, we're supposed to be different, we're supposed to be in this world, but we're not supposed to be of this world, what is that supposed to look like? Because we're all human. We all have these human tendencies. We were born into sin. We all want to do what is wrong. We all are born that way. We're bent that way. But when we have accepted Christ, we have received the gift that he gave us that transforms our life and how we want to live. Or it should but I can't say that it does always. Eventually, it, it worked out okay. She finally did sit down. It wasn't like we really missed a whole lot. But still, it just is irritating. And I know you've all been there. You have things that just irritate you, and it's a little, dumb little thing, but you just, mm, just gets under your skin. If we keep going in 1 John 3, it says, my little children... Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 30 through 33. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses, and they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. So they come to you as people do, as people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain." Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. It's really easy to say something, but it's so much more difficult to actually do it. And here's something that I know has been separated in past, and hopefully it's getting a lot better, but is what we do or say at church the same as what we do or say at work or at play or at home? Because I think it was last week that I said it's really easy to come here on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, two hours at the most, and plaster on a mask that makes it look like everything's just hunky-dory, everything's great and then we go home and we go about our week and let me tell you the people that you know and that you interact with during the week they probably know you a whole lot better than everybody sitting in here because when you're at home when you're at work or when you're playing or having fun you're going to be you and when we come here we can sometimes choose not to be us or not to be me or plaster on a smile and you can only 
get so deep in a conversation here because there's a lot of people here. Are you the same? Are we living? Are we talking? Are we doing? Are we sharing the same that we do here as when we go home as well? Let's not live two different lives. Are we supporting or backing up what we say with our actions? Because that's what people are going to remember. That what they'll also remember is that if you say something, and I have to learn to be careful of this, is if you say something and then you don't do it, they'll remember that you said it and didn't do it. I remember. But if we can actually say it and follow through with and do it, then it sticks. And then people will remember who you are and what you are what, you, what your tendencies are, what you are willing to do. Talk is easy. Living what you talk is what can be difficult. It reminded me of Matthew 18. And it's the story of the, the, the guy that owed 10,000 talents. I'll just read it. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, just a reminder, we've heard this story a lot, but just a reminder that we start, and this morning we started with what God has done for us and the incredible gift of forgiveness that he has given us. And we accept that gift, we receive that gift, and then we turn around and we don't offer it to our brother. Why do we do that? Why do we so quickly forget what Christ has done for us and then we treat other people as though we completely forgot what happened? Are we aware in everything that we do as we go about our daily lives, not here, but as we go about our daily lives during the week, do we forget what Christ has done for us and that we in turn want to follow that example and probably 
I would think, I mean, I do sometimes. And that's probably why we come back here on Sunday morning and we hear a lot of the same thing again, to remind ourselves what Christ has done for us so that we step out of our door the next morning to go to work or whatever we're going to do that we, again, don't forget. If Christ is willing to do what he did for us, why would we not be willing to pass that on to other people? We have been forgiven because of Christ's sacrifice. How can we not forgive? And I'm not just talking about saying the words. I'm also talking about living that way. Because again, if we live one way, if we say one thing and we do something different, that is so very confusing to people. Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth. How can people tell what we believe? How can people tell that we love the Lord and that we're wanting to serve him? It's by the, what we do. Now, um, we're going to move on a little bit. And to get to a spot here that I started reading and it's like, oh boy. I go through different books of the Bible because I, I feel like it's important and I, I really appreciate being able to cover everything that's there. But you get to certain things and it's like, I don't really want to talk about that at all because it would be easier just to skip it. We start talking about verse 22. And it's, it's probably one of the most controversial things that is there in Scripture. It says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because, because we keep his... Okay, so a lot of people will read this and they'll stop right there. Whatever we ask, we will receive of him. But it doesn't stop there. The scripture doesn't stop there. There's multiple verses that talk about asking. You don't have because you don't ask. And if you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. And if you... All of these things that we should ask and ask and ask, and God wants us to ask, but God wants a relationship with us. Does he want to bless us? Yes, he wants to bless us, but it doesn't stop right there. It says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Don't leave that part out. Cannot leave that part out. Because if we leave that out, then all of a sudden, all of Scripture is open to however we want to, whatever we want to pull out of it. You're either going to believe all of it or none of it. Can't pick and choose what we want to take out of that. God is God, and he can do whatever he wants to do. He can do whatever to cho he chooses to do. Sometimes I don't understand why it feels like to me, and this is my this is just me personally, my feeling, why it feels like to me that he answers some prayers certain ways and he doesn't answer other prayers certain ways. I don't understand that. I'm not God. But I do know that I'm going to continue to go back to him all the time because of what Rebecca was sharing this morning. We know that he is good. We know that he is real. We know that he cares about us. We know that he has our best interest in mind, but he is not there to get whatever we want. 
because that's putting God in a box. It's like having a bottle with a genie in it, and you rub the bottle, and the genie pops out, and give you whatever you want. That's not who God is. God wants a relationship with you and me. He wants a relationship. He wants communication with you and me. So when he says to ask, does he mean don't ask? Absolutely not. He wants us to ask. But he also wants us to live righteously. He wants us to live right. He wants us to follow the example that he has set. Do we get so caught up in our time and our agenda that we forget to ask what would bring the most glory to God? Why, when Jesus was here, he did a lot of miracles. He healed a lot of people. There was a lot of things that happened. Why was that? Because he was pointing people to God. And let's not forget that's why we're here. It's to point people to God. If God chooses to use something miraculous like this to point people to God, that's awesome. And I know he can do it, and I am not standing here doubting that he can do it. I know that he can, but I also realize that he is after glorifying his name, not glorifying my name. Because I forget, I get distracted, and I think I know how things should be done because it would be so much better this way if you would answer my prayer like this. And forget that I should want God's will more than I want mine. Mark chapter 11. We're going to read just a few verses that are talking about this. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Verse 25, it says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. There's something about being in communication with God and and asking God for things when we want this relationship to be right, but we don't have relationship with our brother right. Because when you're standing and when you're praying, if, you, if the Holy Spirit reminds you of something that you have against your brother, it says, just stop what you're doing and go and take care of it. Because I don't want my prayers to be hindered. But I also want to remember to pray, I want God's will in my life and in your life. I might think I know what's best, but I really probably don't. <clears throat> John chapter 14 Verses 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's really easy to pull out of there that we can ask for what we want. I understand how it's done a lot. 
But I, am very, I want to be very careful with that because it does also say that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, we and I, I forget this so often. And we start praying for something and then we realize, well, um, maybe God had something different in mind. I don't know. It's not my will, but it's his will that we want. John uh, chapter 15, the next chapter, verses 7 and verse 8, says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But this, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask. But the question is, are we abiding in him? And are his words abiding in us? Because when I sit in the stands at the graduation and I start to get irritated to the person, I don't even know the person in front of me. But I start to get irritated and all of a sudden it's like, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I probably should, you know, I could have asked her to sit down. Maybe I should have done that. There would have been nothing wrong with that. I didn't. Instead, I just sit there and be a little bit frustrated and maybe that's my fault. We all have things we gotta work through. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. First John 3, 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. The commandment is to believe in Jesus Christ and to love one another. We've been talking about this for a while. We're going to continue to talk about this because we need to hear it often. And I'll guarantee you, we'll go out this week and all of a sudden you're gonna find yourself irritated at somebody Maybe it's a, a family member or a, a coworker or uh, I don't, maybe it's me. I don't know. But you're going to find yourself irritated at somebody. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to let it fester? Are you just going to let it go and let it slowly, slowly irritate you more and more until you just can't hardly handle it? Or are you just going to, maybe you just deal with it. Maybe it's something that was done to you and you need to just go to the person and deal with it. Or maybe you just need to say, God, I want to give that to you. I don't want this to bug me. I don't want this to weigh me down. I don't want my prayers to be not heard. God still hears us. But God wants what's best for us. He wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for me. And he's going to continue to work in each of our lives to help us to understand that. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Do we truly love one another? The last verse, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Because of the Holy Spirit, we know that Christ lives in us. First thing from this morning, follow Christ's example to love. He set the ultimate example of loving when he sent his son to die on the cross. Follow his example to love. The second is, don't just say, do. 
It's not about works. We don't get to heaven. We don't get more, uh, uh, we don't get um, to go to heaven because of works. We get to go to heaven because of what Jesus did. But in serving him and in loving him, we should want to follow through with what we're saying. Don't just say, do. And the last one is, ask. Ask God for things, but let's ask with his will in mind. Let's ask, is this going to bring glory to you? Or is it going to be a distraction for me? Which is it going to be? Stand up with me. Father, thank you for your love this morning. Lord, I just pray that as we think about these things that we've heard this morning and we, we try to apply them to our lives, Lord, I pray that you would help us to follow your example of loving not according to the world, but according to the way that you set it up. Father, help us to be able to do the things that we say, to not just say what we believe, but to live what we believe. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to have open communication with you. Help us to remember, Lord, that it's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about you. And Lord, that changes the whole way that we talk to you and we interact with you. It's all about you. And I thank you so much that it is all about you. And Lord, as we go about our week, I pray that we can point people to you, whether it's through our actions, through something that we say. Lord, I pray people can see you living in us and through us. We love you this morning, and we thank you for your blessings. In your name we pray, amen. If you want to shake somebody's hand, you can be dismissed.